Hello and welcome to Killer Hangover Podcast with your hosts. I'm Beth. <laughs> and I'm Bettina. <laughs> and this is episode 150. Woohoo! Bizarities. Bizarities, my favorite. <laughs> so how are and, you, child? Uh, oh, uh busy. Tis the season to be busy, but good. My heart is full. Busy good. and busy and full. <laughs> mm. Okay, those are good things. <laughs> full is better uh, than hungry. <laughs> or bored. <laughs> hungry and bored. Yeah. That's a bad combination. Bored and hungry. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> And it's horrible for people around you, too. <laughs> oh, hangry Beth is the worst, Beth. You are not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. You know, we have just been so busy in the hullabaloo of life. And this being our last episode of season one of Killer Hangover, uh, that we forgot to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving on the last. The last time. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? It's never too soon or too late to be thankful, right? Oh, oh, you're just so sweet. I know. <laughs> oh, Charlie Brown. Uh, no, thank you, everybody. Before we start this episode, I'm just We're so thankful, thankful for, for the you. last almost four years of Killer Hangover podcast, the last 150 plus episodes. This has been a blast. Before we kick off this last episode, I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you. And hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and has a happy holiday season and an amazing 2024. 20, she took the words right out of my mouth. So I, mm -hmm. I wish the same thing. <laughs> I have really good feelings about 2024. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Like really good feelings about it. I don't know why. I probably just don't you think twenty three? I mean, yeah, it's not over yet, but don't you think it just flew? Flew. I mean, and it I'm wasn't like... a it wasn't a bad year, but it wasn't a good year. Like it was just like a transition year to like I feel like twenty twenty four is going to be a good year. I just I just feel it. I just feel it. Feel it. I don't know. It wasn't a bad year at all. Mm -mm. Um, not at all. I had my just, baby girl. Like, I was feeling paperwork out today, and I'm like twenty twenty three. Wow, it's almost over. I have to start putting in my mind 24 now. <laughs> yeah, by the time that happens, it's already going to be 2025. Like, that that's never... kind of the way I felt when those papers out. I just remembered it was 23. <laughs> yeah, wishing everybody happy holidays. And it got me thinking because I got a, <clears throat> sorry to put my kid on blast here, but I got a note home from my five-year-old's teacher because they're doing a Thanksgiving kindergarten's doing a Thanksgiving like program and I got a note home because they were practicing for the program and my five-year-old couldn't keep his hands to himself while they were practicing and so I talked to him and I was like what were you doing you're supposed to be practicing your songs you have three songs and it's like a total of 20 minutes like what wow. what were you I think it's only like 15, not even. Uh, but like, what what were you doing, bud? And he goes, well, I couldn't keep my hands to myself. And I said, well, but what were you doing with your hands? Well, I was touching my friend's tummy. 
Why were you touching your friend's tummy? Well, I was jiggling his tummy like Santa, and then I was touching his cheeks. I said, well, why were you doing that? (laughs) I don't know, Mom. (laughs) Okay, well, let's Let's not not touch our friend's tummies or cheeks during the Thanksgiving prayer service, please. But at the same time, please do, because that would be really entertaining. (laughs) Don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't jiggle your friend's tummy, please. (laughs) I mean, the things that come out of this kid's mouth, it is so hard to keep a straight face. Especially him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He says things the way they are. He has no filter and it just Mm -mm. comes out. Mm-mm. He he is the proverbial, the truth of a child. <laughs> yes. Gotta uh. love it. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, we are, of course, uh, drinking. Yes. <laughs> of course. Well, we're of course drinking. I mean, <laughs> duh. <laughs> what do you have? I think we decided we'd just drink our favorite. Uh, well, kind of. Uh, I picked something kind of sentimental. We started episode one with a red wine. So Mm. I picked a red wine and I picked something. Well, it's called Midnight because my story is kind of on the spookier end. So I did the menage a trois. I did the Midnight. Nice. I like that. I do too. So this is what I'm drinking. It's a dark red blend. So yeah, sentimental reasons, red wine. Mom, what are you drinking? Mm. Mm. I couldn't wait any longer. It's been sitting here. Uh, Sparkling. uh, I'm drinking sparkling, of course, but it's not Chandon or Corbel. It is actually a Mary. Mm. It is from France. It's a rosé. Who's Mary? What? What do you say? A Mary. Oh, Mary. Oh, I thought you said, and Mary, it's, and I was like, who's, who's, where's Mary? I don't, what? Mary's not here. So it says on the back of this, this is from, oh boy, De Le Mans, De Le Mans, France, France. And it says in in 1950, oh no, jeez, in 1531, a Benedictine monk of Le Mans discovered the first sparkling wine of the world. And that's where this comes from. Oh, so that's like a fancily, fancily, a fancily sparkling. I will be bringing a couple of these to Christmas dinner. (laughs) So you can sample it also. I shall sample. (laughs) I shall sample. We just won't share. (laughs) Well, as we sit here and just indulge, cheers, mom. <laughs> Let's just dive on in here. Are we ready? We are ready. You are first. I am first. Oh, Kidoki. Being our bizarre episode. It's kind of left the door wide open it for best. That. <laughs> Especially it being our last episode. It, I really wanted to like, my gosh. I can't tell you how many episodes I started with this. I wanted to cover this. So I started researching and writing it up. And then I was just not good enough. I started researching that and just started writing it up. Watch documentaries, wrote stuff up. Just wasn't good enough. I probably have like 
eight episodes <laughs> written up. <laughs> Season two is already in the works. Let me tell you. <laughs> Just in the matter of writing up this silly episode. But I decided to stick to our theme, Killer Hangover, a bit, and decided to cover some bizarre paranormal hauntings. Oh, okay. nice. Okay. But before we get into the bizarre hauntings, I thought it only fair I cover the two pioneers of paranormal investigating. Mm. 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 Is it Lorraine? Mm? Lorraine? Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, I was right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, honestly, if it weren't for them, I don't know. (laughs) They were just such a huge contributing factor to paranormal investigating. And if it wasn't for them, I don't know where the whole paranormal investigating would be. So I wanted to cover them and some of their bizarre paranormal stories because there's some really cool ones. Okay. Cool. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, this is like uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren 101. This is not like, mm-hmm. do you hear that? The coyotes are out. Oh. Yeah, it's that time. I don't hear it, but it sounds like they're like right outside my window. Well, they're probably right outside your fence. It's like they're right. They're like sitting right outside my window. Okay. What are they saying, Beth? (laughs) Not that. (laughs) All right. So this is Ed and Lorraine Warren 101. This is not like a deep dive into them. I'm just going to kind of give you a little synopsis. Okay? Okay. Here we go. If you don't know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are, you've made it to episode 150. <laughs> I I don't know what to you. Tell haven't you. listened to all the episodes. <laughs> You're starting. This is our for your first one. <laughs> then you need to hop off and go find another podcast or no, I'm just kidding. Um starting in the 60s before paranormal investigating was a thing, the couple worked together on clearing homes, exercising people and not like working them out or like exercising them like getting demons out of them with the Catholic Church. Uh they worked to educate people on demonic possessions and hauntings. Uh they're the center of the Conjuring movie franchise. It's all based around cases that the Warrens have covered in their careers. And I'm going to say this nicely do not watch those movies as fact those movies are all based around yes they're based around true events so like they're hollywooded they're hollywooded up like lots of wooded lots of wood is used (laughs) to build those movies uh like the nun is said to be based on a case that they've done um literally they went to a church that's supposed to be haunted by a nun and they may have come in contact with her out in the cemetery (laughs) boom and then end of story 40 40 years later they made four movies on it like it's not like that in real life so just keep that in the back of your noggins i have not seen all of these movies as well so when i do start talking about some of these cases and they're like oh that sounds like the conjuring 12 i don't think that's even a movie but just say those who have seen the movies i've never seen the movies so if you're like oh that sounds like such and such movie yeah maybe that was in that movie but i'm just gonna tell you about the actual cases okay all right i'm done educating you now was that it (laughs) Okay, mine There's is. the 101. <laughs> the 
And okay. The Warrens claim to have consulted on over 10,000 cases. Wow. 150 ain't nothing. <laughs> 10,000. We're on episode 150. No, but they've consulted on like, they've gone and like. I know 10,000 is mind blowing. Mind blowing. And that's not all of them were haunted. Ed was really big on trying to debunk things. He was a real big trying to. He reminds me of Zach in a lot of ways because he's either going in one to debunk it or two to find a demon. There's like no (laughs) in between for him. I mean that with lots of peace and love. Okay. Ed was born and raised in Bridgeport, Connecticut. He was raised in a haunted house. As a boy, he remembers lots of footsteps and noises throughout the home, but coming from his bedroom closet, in particular, he would gain bravery and peer into his closet. He'd hear noises and he'd gain bravery and he'd peer into his closet and this ball of mist would be in there. And then slowly this light would form and a face of an old lady would appear. Old lady would then be seen sometimes walking around in his bedroom late at night. He went and told his father, who was a very conservative Catholic, and his father's response was that there is a logical reason for everything that happened in that household. Ironically, he never gave the logical reason for the old lady (laughs) that was seen walking around the house. There's a logical reason for it. Okay, now go to bed. (laughs) Okay, well then why is the old lady walking around my house, daddy? (laughs) As long as she doesn't, it's logic. As long as she doesn't hit you over the head, you're fine. <laughs> Wacky upside the head. <laughs> Lorraine was also raised Catholic in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Always believed everyone could see lights hovering around each other, hovering around them. Could she thought everybody had lights? Could mm. see the lights around them. Thank you. It wasn't until she was nine and she was attending a Catholic girls school. She was chatting with one of her friends about the lights that she was seeing that she realized it was not a normal thing. She was sharing with her friend the lights she saw around Sister Joseph. She said she she was saying, isn't that interesting? The lights around Sister Joseph are brighter than the lights around Mother Superior. And Mother Superior later that day pulled Lorraine aside and told her, we don't speak of things like that. We don't talk about things like that around here. That was that. Lorraine stopped talking about it. And Lorraine was seeing auras. And she didn't. So the lights were different colors. Were different colors. And so these lights were auras. They were people's auras. And so she didn't know what they were. And she thought that everybody could see these things. She thought it was very normal. She grew up as a young child seeing these lights around people. So she thought everybody saw these things. But yeah, Mother Superior shut her down real quick and said, we don't talk about these things. And so Lorraine, you know, this is a bad thing. I can't talk about this. So she didn't want to talk about it at school and she didn't want to talk about it at home. And she also didn't want to be different. But the auras continued. Of course they did. Very much so. When Lorraine was 16, she and her mother would go to the movies every Wednesday, where Ed was an usher at the movies. The two met. One night, he asked to walk her home, and the two fell in love. Their romance was mostly letters, as Ed was sent off to fight in World War II in the Navy when he was 17. At one point during the war, there was a battle that broke out. 
well, at one point, at several points, there were several <laughs> battles. <a> war. <laughs> Ed actually witnessed, and, and laughing aside, Ed actually witnessed a lot, a lot of war. And uh, his ship crashed into an oil tanker and everything exploded. And oh, he, he and his crew had to jump into the water. And one of his crew members, that is that what you call them? was horribly injured and was calling for help. So Ed swam to him to help him. And as soon as he got to him, uh, fire just surrounded them. And he just started praying to mother Mary, just praying. He was, he thought his life was over. And so before he knew it though, a um, helper boat, (laughs) you called them. I'm around kids way too long. A helper boat came through the flames and pulled Ed and his friend out of the water, and they both survived. Wow. And he had a 30-day survivor's leave, and he went home. He married Lorraine. (laughs) And literally, in an interview I listened to, they got married. They went away to some town, like a little further away. They stayed a night in the hotel, and the next day, he went back to war. Mm. Nine months later, Lorraine gave birth to their daughter, Judy. Oh. Later on, like 40 years later, Lorraine and Ed will go back to Japan um, to go do an investigation of a haunted place there. And Ed takes Lorraine to this dock near where they were doing the investigation. But he go- he takes her out of their way. And he took Lorraine to this dock and he said, this is where I was when I got the call that you had just given birth to judy oh and he wanted oh. to bring her there yeah it was really sweet anyway when ed got back from the war he set to painting he went to art school and i don't know if he went after war i mean he had to have gone after war because i don't know when he when else he would have had time because he went right when he was 17 to war at some point he went to some art classes but he set to painting basically right away to make a living for them. He loved to paint and he was actually pretty good at it. And he loved painting local landscapes and historical homes. He, Lorraine and Judy would travel and he would paint. And then Lorraine would set up shop somewhere or whenever they could. And um, she'd sell the paintings for three to five dollars per painting, which was a good amount back then. One day they were in Heineker, New Hampshire. Does that sound familiar? maybe ringing any bells and they stopped by the local historical home known as Oceanborn Mary's. Oh, you did that. Yes, I did that in episode 45. See, a lot of this stuff is coming full circle. It's kind of fun. <laughs> the owner invited the couple in to chat and this changed their lives forever. For Ed, the owner started chatting ghost stories and he loved this. He loved it. It had fascinated him so much as a boy, and now he had found somebody who was open about talking about it, but not only that, but was also experiencing something that he had also experienced and oh. wasn't just shutting him out with like logical or illogical, illogical explanations logical. or like, yeah, wasn't just shutting him up, was actually like open to talking about experiences. And it's like, oh my gosh, same thing happened to me. And so he was loving that somebody was actually talking to him about this stuff. And then for Lorraine, she too was sitting at the dining room table and she's listening to these stories when all of a sudden it felt like she was lifted out of her body. It felt as if she was floating 
looking down upon herself and Ed and the man. And she wasn't scared, but it was just such this such a different experience. And she said it was the first time that she didn't fear death. It was it just felt so different to her. Ed had noticed his wife kind of drifted off, like she just looked weird. And so he started calling to her, like, Lorraine, are you okay, Lorraine? And she wasn't coming too. She was just sitting there. And the owner was like, is she clairvoyant? And Ed's like, uh, no. And the owner's like, well, because this happens to clairvoyants in the house all the time. Really? And that's when they realized she really did have a gift. The two were hooked from there. Like I mentioned in episode 56, they started going to haunted locations on the East Coast. Ed would paint these haunted houses or haunted locations. And then Lorraine, using her quote unquote Irish personality, <laughs> would go up to the house and say, Here, my husband painted this. He really wanted, you know, they trade the painting or the sketch for ghost stories. And this was kind of their ticket in to get into the haunted house. And well, how'd they make money then? Learn about, well, it. I don't know what they were doing for money here because even when they started, well, even when they started doing ghost investigations, it was all free. They, when people, they started being known as the ghost people, as the people that if you lived in a haunted house in the New England area and you had a problem with ghosts or you needed to talk to somebody about ghosts, they were the people to call. They would help you or just be people to talk to about it. They didn't work for money. You, They were right. always free. So I don't know what they were doing for money at this point. I mean, maybe they were still painting on the side as well. Hmm. But yeah, so from 1950 to 1960, if you lived in the New England area, you called the Warrens. 1952, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research. And that society is still running today. Their son-in-law wow. is running it now. And over time, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but over time, their caseloads just became, I mean, 10,000 is what they worked on, but their caseloads just became so heavy, but they were really strict on, they would have people work for them, but they wouldn't just like hire people on and send them out. The people would go on cases with Ed and Lorraine for years and learn how to do it their way and what to do and be really fully trained. And Ed and Lorraine really had to trust them. They would go on the case, but they would send video and, and pictures and everything back to Ed and Lorraine and really good. Like, what would you guys do still? Like, they were really in contact with every so did case these still. people, these trainees or whatever, did they have a gift or a talent or? Uh, and see, they're still doing it to this day. And I'm sure they do. I mean, did they pick the people because they had this talent? Or I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. And Ed really depended on Lorraine's gift. If they walked into a house and Lorraine wasn't feeling anything, then Ed would right away go around and start debunking things. He would go oh. around right away. And as she went in and instantly started feeling something, he would go around and follow her gift and follow what she felt and it was they really worked together as a really good team. So yeah, Lorraine was the had the gift. Ed was the debunker. And then over time, they would use their fame. So back then, demons especially are a voodoo topic. You don't really talk about that, especially in the church. It was not talked about. And just like his dad, there's a logical 
you just don't a you just voodoo don't talk topic? about it. A voodoo, like you don't talk about it. Taboo. Voodoo. <laughs> voodoo. You're right, mom. I am mom. <laughs> You're right. What is it? Hoo-boo? Boo. Taboo. Taboo. Tab- a taboo subject. <laughs> That's a fun game, too. Oh, my gosh. I'm embarrassed. It's a voodoo. It's a voodoo topic. (laughs) Okay, a taboo subject, especially in the church. They don't like to talk about it. And Ed actually had this really interesting comment. I really thought it was very intriguing. He said, I don't think you understand. And this wasn't the exact quote, but this was just kind of the gist of it. He's like, I don't think you realize how many priests I've met that don't believe in the devil and what he meant by that is that they they don't it's taboo they don't want to talk about like the fact that this can happen this happens if you're going to believe in god you have to believe in the other side to it and eventually they did start using their fame the church wouldn't do an exorcism on a whim and and that's understandable they can't go out to every single haunted house there has to be proof and the warrens understood that but here they are with proof in a lot of situations and the church would still not go because maybe there is negative media attention or there's too much media attention saying it's a hoax but the warrens are like no we have proof it's not a hoax we've been in there this is happening there was a situation where two priests went in to just do a blessing on the home and the one priest was just absolutely terrified inside the home and was like this house is i it needs an exorcism but i'm not going to be the one to do it that's how scared he was i i cannot be the one who does this but the church refused to do it because the media was reporting that it was all a hoax so then the okay. church backed out So the Warrens would use their fame, though, to speak out in the media to try to get the church's attention in that way, too, to prove their proof as well, to kind of fight against the negative. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's it was it's interesting because a lot of people call them con artists. A lot of I, I don't know. I think in their minds, they really were fighting god's fight and they really were trying to clear homes they did a lot of exorcisms with the church they actually had one of um he ended up being the pope they had him come out and do he approved an exorcism in one of the connecticut hauntings that they did so it they did a lot of a lot of good as well so i know they were joined with the priest at amityville Mm -hmm. they were they always they always had a priest with them for blessings and stuff. Always. I I really don't think they ever went into a home without a priest. Majority wow. of the time. In 1973, the Exorcist movie came out. So then in 1974, one of the most intense poltergeist hauntings happened in Connecticut. And this was showing the public that the devil does not just live on the movie screen. But then you have the reverse side saying... Isn't that funny that one of the most famous movies just came out and now all of a sudden it's happening in real life. It's a flip of the coin there. It depends on what you believe. You can believe like the Warrens are saying, like, this is proof that this is real. That movie is based on truth. You guys have to see that this is happening out there in the world. It's not just happening on the movie screens. You have to be careful with those movies that you're watching because this stuff is real. Or you can say, well, 
isn't this interesting? That movie got so much attention. Now you're wanting attention and you're using this poor family to get that attention. It's whatever you believe. But this was such a huge case. I'm going to cover a little bit of it. Uh, it was called the Lindley Street Poltergeist. And like I said, this this haunting is up for debate. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty bizarre. So odd things started happening to the Goodins basically right when they adopted their daughter in 1968. As the little girl grew up, the bizarre things started to intensify poltergeist things. One night in 1974, a rhythmic pounding surrounding the walls inside the home scared Laura and Jerry Gooden so much that they called the police. The police found nothing, of course. And then the next night, they called the police again when every door in the home was slamming, opening and slamming, opening and slamming. Oh, my gosh. Items are being moved all over the place in the house. And police are getting called to this home time after time again because of all these things happening. Who do you call? Can't call Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's not a thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> so they keep calling the police because they don't they don't know what to do. Intruders have to be the culprit. I mean, they they don't know they don't know what to believe. But the police keep finding nothing. The Goodins are terrified. As t- time keeps passing, this keeps intensifying. One night, the couple are bringing in groceries. Grocery groceries. 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 Full circle. <laughs> As Laura is bringing in one last bag, she walks into the other groceries being thrown around the room oh. by an unseen force. Plates are and glasses are being smashed all over the kitchen. Jerry is in the other room terrified. This is kind of funny, but it would be very scary. As the reclining chairs are opening and closing one by one. All three of them. Is he in and, one of them? <laughs> and no, he's just watching them. And one of the articles I read is like, he watched the reclining chairs in concert as they opened and closed. And I'm just like, the plates are crashing. Eerie, but very humorous to picture. Oh my gosh. They pick it up. They pick up the kitchen they put everything back together when it all stops like this is just an isolated event right like this this is just it has to be an isolated event that night they're awoken to a horrible crash as the table had just been their kitchen table just flipped over okay this is crazy their cat was heard singing jingle bells what their cat was their cat was heard talking on multiple occasions as deep man's voice come from their cat now this is a quote from ed in the book uh, ghost hunters true stories from the world's most famous demonologist quote at some point the goodens thought it would be a good idea to hire a tutor for their daughter a very nice woman began giving her lessons one day they heard this really foul cursing and swearing coming from behind a closed door it was the voice demanding that the door be opened when they opened the door all they found was the cat They checked everywhere to make sure that there wasn't somebody hiding somewhere. But no, the only possible source for the sound was Sam, the cat. Needless to say, the tutor was shaken. (laughs) They had a really hard time persuading her to come back. (laughs) Unquote. Can you imagine? Well, my cat talks, but he doesn't cuss. No. And he doesn't (laughs) sing. (laughs) Yeah, he does talk. It's like. He does and talk. he speaks loudly. <laughs> Very. Uh, one night, the Warrens are called to 
this house and they walk in with a priest to total chaos. They walk in and the home is filled with policemen, firemen, city engineers. So the police had been called out like normal to help the family. They're in fear with noises and everything. But then they witnessed the refrigerator bouncing. So the police did see something. Okay. They see something. So then they call the fire department and the city engineers because they're like, this is probably like a gas thing, a gas leak maybe because the refrigerator is bouncing. So but then the recliners start going again. A policewoman witnessed the little girl being like yanked back like, like by an invisible rope. The policemen, firemen, city officials, they all witness things with their own eyes. Crucifixes being thrown off the walls, pictures falling, plates coming down, the refrigerator moving across the room, the recliners opening and closing. They witnessed all of this stuff firsthand. And these are city officials, like official people that are not going in there to find hauntings. Okay. Then- So this is like, so then the media is going crazy with this, that this place is haunted and all this kind of stuff. And then the Warrens are in the process of trying to get this place exercised. Okay. So then a police officer apparently reports that she saw the little girl tip the TV with her foot just once. And so the event was all deemed a hoax that the little girl was doing this the whole time. And so then the church didn't go out to exercise it because this is this is just all a hoax. But later on, some um like some police officers do come like a the priest did bless the home and they did see like a mist and stuff and like all those other things, but like it was never fully exercised and the home still stands there today. But it, I don't know. I don't know if it was a hoax or not. If the little girl did it or not. That's a lot of stuff for a little How girl. Could she to make be the recliners doing. move? And, and that's a lot for a little girl to be doing. Oh, and there's way more to the story. I just did like kind of a gist of it. So the church didn't go out and exercise that home and it really needed it. So that's when Ed was like, we need to start stepping up and using our voices in the media too. Because the chief of police spoke up and was like, this is all a hoax. And he's like, okay, well, you just totally ruined what we needed to be doing so now that's when ed was like we need to start speaking up to the media too so that was kind of the beginning of everything for them soon after that they did the amityville so it Mm. it really started for them okay bizarre cases that was just kind of the beginning for them that was their story now i'm going to jump into some of their bizarre stories i'm going to take a drink of wine and i'm going to read this story because i was going to sum it up but i'm just going to read it This is our last episode, so it's going to be a little longer. Uh, I apologize, but I couldn't sum this up. I'm going to read it directly from their website. Okay. They have on their website, the NESPR website, the New England, the, you know, what I, their spirit, the, (laughs) there's the group that they started in the fifties that they, yes, their website. They have these case files there, and this one was fascinating. Okay. And I was going to sum it up, but I think I need to read it in their words. Bill Ramsey was born and raised in Essex, the seaside town of South End in the UK. 
His childhood would seem mostly normal, except for an incident when he was just nine years old. One memorable day, Ramsey was outside his back garden when he began to feel strange. It was deep into one Saturday afternoon in 1952 when an icy blast of frigid cold swept all over him. Perspiration froze on his skin and a foul stench came close to making him vomit. The confused young Ramsey only had two things on his mind, running away to a life on the beach and wolves. When he heard the distant calls of his mother, he snapped out of his trance. However, Ramsey had changed. Intense and pure rage had installed itself firmly within his psyche. Using this and the adrenaline-fueled strength he now possessed, he had uprooted a fence post, with the fence still attached, and was swinging it like a club. <laughs> Not even his parents could easily remove the post with their bare hands. What the young child did next made both of his parents flee back into the relative safety of their home, leaving Bill isolated outside. Bill Ramsey placed the wire meshing into his mouth and began gnawing at it. The cold sensations returned and a low growl emanated from deep within him. Both his parents remained inside the house until it was apparent that their son had calmed down considerably. Jeez. For nearly 15 years after that terrifying incident, nothing even remotely similar happened in the life of Bill Ramsey. He had grown up, gotten married, and became a doting father of three. The first two years of his marriage, though, were plagued by nightmares. Well, that's horrible. Each dream was the same, and the results ended up identical as well. Ramsey always awoke in a cold sweat and was overwhelmed by feelings of dread and unease. In his dream, he had always a few steps behind his wife. He was always a few steps behind his wife. He would then turn to she who would then turn to face him and would run away in extreme terror. It was only in 1967 that these dreams ended. Eighteen months on, and Bill woke one night to hear what he thought was panting of a wild animal somewhere inside the bedroom. He was correct. It was, it was Bill himself. Once again, there was a lull in activity for approximately 15 years. It was now 1983, and Bill was out with some friends at a local pub. After several drinks, Bill began to feel the same icy chills that first manifested much earlier in his life. He made an excuse and headed to the lavatory. Once there, he checked himself in the mirror and saw a wolf looking back at him. This was just a precursor as to what was to happen on their way home. In the car ride home, and without any warning, Bill began to growl and immediately turned to his fellow fellow passenger both hands twisted into claws and ramsey tried to bite the leg of his friend the designated driver didn't panic he brought the car to a... they have to drink he brought the car to a stop and made attempts to get the raging bill out of the back of the car it still took several minutes and quite a bit of effort to finally get bill out of the car by now the frenzy had dissipated. The Sun newspaper documenting the story of Bill Ramsey. The Sun newspaper documenting the story of Bill Ramsey. They have that twice. Worse was to come. But not for another 
18 months. Shortly before Christmas, 1983, Bill begins to suffer from chest pains and thoughts immediately turn to a possible heart attack. Bill checked himself into the emergency room of the local hospital and was halfway through a blood pressure examination when he sank his teeth into the arm of the nurse and ran through the ward as a man possessed. Witnesses would later reveal that Bill had hunched shoulders and both hands had curled into talons or claws and bared lips just like a rabid animal. Anyone that dared approach was knocked down easily with almost superhuman strength. It took quite a few people working as a team to finally subdue the rampaging man. A police officer managed to place handcuffs around Ramsey's wrists, but still this was not sufficient. A tranquilizer finally put an end to the outburst. The following morning, this tranquilizer had worn off and so did the original transformation. After a hearty breakfast, the attending doctor listened to the whole story and recommended that Bill remains under observation. However, he was a voluntary patient and was fully entitled to check himself out. Bill did so, but was back within the span of two months. In January 1984, man, this is a very long story, Bill had just finished a visit to his mother when he began to feel an attack coming on. He made it to the same hospital on the same terms of his previous visit. The attending nurse was alone with Ramsey in the emergency room and feared for her life once she told <laughs> Ramsey that she was going to find a doctor. Ramsey threw to one side and lunged for an orderly. By chance, four police officers entered the hospital and immediately circled Ramsey. The officers and Ramsey had a standoff for a few seconds until Ramsey began snarling and growling at all four. The policemen advanced on Ramsey, who defended himself with some vigor. One of the four police officers suffered wounds so severe that he ended up at the hospital for another four days. All four managed to handcuff Ramsey again. The short walk to the waiting squad car went off without incident, as Ramsey had apparently regained his faculties. When he arrived at the local police station, they immediately summoned the police surgeon. Ramsey considered the suggestion of checking himself into a mental institution, but decided against it, citing the stigma that he might feel in the days to come. Since he was clearly in control and rational, Ramsey was released in, released in the summer of 1987. He was back at the police station. This time, however, he was much more public-spirited. Having made a citizen's arrest to a local teenage prostitute, he drove her to the state. What is happening? <laughs> he drove her to the station. The second that he parked his car, she fled into the station. Ramsey once again felt the now familiar sensations surging from the middle of his chest. Just as a burly policeman approached the car, the officer, considerably bigger than Ramsey, started to question him and made the big mistake of gently touching Ramsey's arm. Mm -mm. The wolf within him took immediate hold of Ramsey, and the officer was thrown to the ground and was having the life choked out of him until help finally came. Ramsey was so wild that it took a dozen policemen <laughs> to hold him down and two injections to finally restrain him. For the next 10 days, countless MRIs, x-rays, and psychiatric tests could not determine what was wrong with Ramsey. Clearly, there was some issue that needed resolving. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs> Nobody could really switch from mild-mannered rationale to rampaging berserker <laughs> and back again in the space of a few minutes unless there is something seriously wrong. 
One thing that went in Bill's favor was the visit to London of American demonologists and Lorraine Warren. Bill's story appeared on a television show at the time of their stay. Lorraine immediately considered that Bill was being possessed and got in touch with the South End on Sea police station. After dialogue on both sides, the Warrens obtained the opportunity to talk to Ramsey. During an exorcism in Connecticut, Bill Ramsey begins to, to physically change into a werewolf. If you're huh? watching on YouTube, I'm putting these pictures here. You have to see them. During an exorcism in Connecticut, Bill Ramsey begins to physically change into a werewolf. The Warrens negotiated with Bill Ramsey and finally convinced him to come to their church in Connecticut and undergo an exorcism with their own specialist, Bishop Robert McKenna. Bill relented and made the trip with his wife in 1989. A tabloid newspaper, The People, sponsored the trip. The night before the exorcism was due to take place, Ramsey tried to strangle his wife. Oh, no. While she, while she slept. When the exorcism actually began, Bill was not at all impressed. His service was being conducted in Latin, and for half an hour, nothing happened. Bill then took on an entirely different appearance. His face contorted and both hands formed claws. McKenna commanded the demon to leave. The full force of werewolf fury descended on McKenna one time and then disappeared for good. The whole event was recorded on film. Bill Ramsey last appeared in public in 1992 when he updated his progress. Just before his exorcism, the transformations were increasing in both frequency and seriousness. Since that time, there have been no incidents reported. He was a werewolf possessed by the devil. Aren't you happy I read that story to you? The uh -huh. end. <laughs> Oh, okay. Do you remember from episode 56 when we talked about that occult museum? Yes. And I told you about the haunted dinosaur doll toy. I don't remember a dinosaur toy. Come on, mom. It's only been 150 episodes. You don't remember the haunted to dinosaur toy? I just remember well, An Annie or whatever. Uh, the story took place in Brookfield, Connecticut, and the toy was assembled and belonged to a boy named David Glutz Glutzel. Witnesses say the toy dinosaur moved across the room and a voice was heard saying, you are all going to die, coming from the dinosaur. The toy was possessed, as well as 12-year-old David. <gasps> oh, no. The Catholic Church performed a formal exorcism on David in which priests, Ed and Lorraine, as well as family, took part in. One of those family members being Arnie Johnson. Does Arnie Johnson ring any bells for you? No. It's like a quiz. I know. No. The devil made me do it case. 19-year-old Arnie Johnson would go on to stab his landlord, Alan Bono, in a fit of rage. This is what prosecution claims, of course. They claim that he did this in a fit of rage. Arnie's defense claims that during the exorcism... Arnie threatened the demon inside the young David and the demonic presence then transcended into Arnie and possessed him. What was Arnie doing at the exorcism? Family was there. He is the fiance to David's sister. Uh, okay. So he's David's future brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. This is the first court case in the United States in which the defense was seeking to prove innocence 
based upon the claim of demonic possession and denial of personal responsibility of the crime. On November 24th, 1981, Arnie was convicted of first-degree manslaughter. The jury, uh, the judge wouldn't even have it. They didn't even let Ed and Lorraine and any of their proof into the courtroom, which Ed took really hard because he's like, until the day the court of law views our proof, I don't think people are going to believe in ghosts. Well, I, I mean, I wonder how Arnie, if he was possessed... How did he act in prison? Or he got the- he got let out after like five years on good behavior. I think five he- years for killing someone. Did he kill him or just stab him? He killed him. He killed him. Killed him. Yeah, he got manslaughter, first degree. Five years? Holy smokes! For That's good pretty, behavior, it's pretty lenient. Then, so these are the bizarre cases, right? These are the killer hangover cases. <laughs> these are fitting. This is the devil on trial case in Hebron, Connecticut in 1990. A woman believed her house, the house she was renting was haunted. And so she was so scared. She left in the middle of the night. She was terrified. Well, then the person she was renting it from was suing her for all the back rent that she owed. And she called the Warrens to find evidence and proof that the house is haunted because she She's like, I'm not paying rent. I don't want to live there. It's it's haunted. So they went and they won the case. No kidding. Mm-hmm. They proved in the court of law that there were such things as ghosts. They oh, won. my goodness. And that was the biggest win for Ed. That the Holy court smokes. of law said there was ghosts. Okay. This is my last thing. So when you think haunted doll. What do you think? The ragdoll, Annie. Annabelle. Annabelle. Especially because we're talking about Ed and Lorraine. But I'm going to hop off the Warren train and we're going to bounce around off. No, the scariest haunted doll is that freaking doll you talked about in Key West. The The Robert the doll? I mean, Annabelle doesn't have anything on that doll. That no. that really kind of freaked me out. No, Robert the doll was scary. Um, okay, no, this doll. I found this story, and I'm gonna end on this story. It has nothing to do with the Warrens. I just I saw this and I had to share it. Okay, it is a haunted Disney Elsa doll. <laughs> oh no! Just let it go. A little girl got one in 2013 for Christmas in the Houston area. It said phrases from the movie and sang songs from the movie. You get it. Elsa, let it go. You press her necklace and she sang the song, let it go. For years it did this. And then in 2015, she started switching it up and she started singing let it go in English and in Spanish. Okay. And there's not a switch to like switch it, switch the language. She only comes in one language? She comes in one language, but she started She's bilingual all of a sudden. She started singing Let It Go in Spanish. Uh, So the parents were a little bit confused. It's a bit random. Okay. Over time, and I mean over time, it's six years the doll is doing this. The doll will talk, sing, Spanish, English. She's getting old. So sometimes she does this without the button being pushed anymore. Oh, and did I mention that the batteries had never been changed? (laughs) <laughs> the family decided to let her go 
<laughs> and throw her away in December of 2019. Weeks later, they find the doll back inside a bench in their living room. <gasps> Quote, the kids insisted they didn't put it there. And I believe them because they wouldn't have dug through the garbage outside. <laughs> Unquote. And that's from the mom on the uh, KPRC2 Houston News. At this point, Elsa was only speaking in Spanish <laughs> by singing Let It Go in Spanish. Just singing Let It Go in Spanish. I don't even know what that would sound like. I should have looked that up. I bet that. But were you going to sing it? <laughs> yeah. So mom double bagged Spanish singing Elsa, put her in the bottom of the garbage and put her out on garbage day. They went on a trip shortly after they returned and found Elsa had come back. No. And was waiting for them in their backyard. What? This time, the family wasn't taking any chances and decided to mail Elsa to a family friend who lives all the way out in Minnesota. The friend taped the Spanish singing Elsa doll to the front bumper of his truck. And so far, Elsa has not returned. Well, she's been singing it. I just see her little plastic arms just going out and singing. Oh my gosh. This reminded me though of this doll that Katie Katie had. I don't know if it was Katie's doll or my doll. Now I'm drawing a blank on the song. But this thing would sing and it didn't have batteries in it. It was at my dad's house when we were little. And it had like a, oh, it was dream with me. Dream with me, cuddle up and sleep. Bedtime is a magical time. Dream with me and sleep. Didn't have batteries. And it would sing that in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh. That thing disappeared. I don't know where it went. I wonder why. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, my friend Socks, who is an avid listener, but anyway, she... Has an Ernie dog, Ernie dog, Ernie an dog Ernie doll, you know, from Burton Ernie in Sesame yeah. Street. Yeah. And um, she swears her father's spirit comes through on this Ernie doll because it's, it's like sitting on a bookshelf, like it backed in the corner in the bookshelf. And every now and then Ernie has no batteries in him. And every now and then Ernie will just talk. Like, does it have certain phrases or is it just, just it's talking? whatever Ernie, you know, Sesame Street Ernie would say, but and just all of a sudden you would just talk. <laughs> yeah. That's just creepy. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would that even happen? How did that happen? How does that happen? I don't know. How does a doll show up once it's been thrown away twice? I don't know. You know, I, I, I just don't know. Well, got... did you enjoy the little tidbit about the Warrens? I did. You know, that one story about the house where everybody came to it, that reminds me of the um, that house in, is it Idaho or Ohio? The one that Zach Bagans ended up buying? The one that ruined his eyes? Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot, of that people, one down. a lot of people who witnessed. I thought stuff. about that, too. I thought about that, too. That was in, um, yeah, that was in Indiana. That... I I came across that house when we covered Indiana and I was just like, nope, <laughs> I 
No, this one's no, way one... too, way too creepy. Way too creepy. I don't know. There was, there are so many, when I was doing research on this, I wanted to just do obviously the bizarre ones. I had to cover the werewolf one. Cause I mean, you don't hear stories about werewolves every day. Uh, but the one that happened in London is a big one that I know a lot of people are really interested in, but that's such a big, the girls, it's two girls that were really affected that like they were caught bending the spoons and, but there was so much that was happening there that they did fess up to doing like 2% of, they said like, I did like 2% of it. They faked some of it. And it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's sad because even if some of it, just a little bit was faked, then that fakes the whole everything out. Then nobody, yeah, they're not going to believe any of it anymore. And that, that's, that makes it really hard for them to do their job if any of it was real. I'm having trouble with the werewolf. I have to admit that one, especially yeah, him that one physically like, turning into a werewolf. Mm. That one sounds like uh, he has some mental issues. And of course, you're not going to see that on an MRI or anything like that. That's like, right. Isn't that like just a personality thing? Disorder. But the strength is interesting. That happens too. With a nine, I mean, tear a fentanyl with your teeth. Ow, (laughs) mouth hurts just thinking about that. (laughs) And those things are howling outside still, which is kind of creepy. Oh, well, I'm gonna get your mind. Ramsey's outside. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know where his whereabouts are now. I know he says he hasn't had any incidents, but maybe he's in Kansas City (laughs) running. He's not a werewolf anymore. Now he thinks he's a coyote. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna get your mind off of this because we're gonna play a little trivia game because I love these like curious things, you know, and and they're just interesting curiosities and interesting trivia, and that's what we're going to do to end this episode. You ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Totally now, ready. most of this comes from. 50 weird and crazy facts that most people don't know. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to rock this. So every time I get it wrong, do I have to take a drink? <laughs> yeah, you have a whole bottle. Well, okay. Gosh. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to start off with Fruit Loops. <laughs> I was not expecting this. Okay. How many flavors are there in a box of Fruit Loops? There's flavors? Well, there's they're different flavors. colors, right? And they're Fruit right. Loops. Green, blue, yellow, red, orange. Don't help me. Seven. There's only one. They all. I made me overthink that. That's what I was thinking. I was. Gosh darn it. I should have gone with my gut. See? But you know, it's kind I've been of teaching on all of these 150 episodes to go with your gut. And then there I go going against my gut. There is no flavors. I knew that. But it's weird how your mind works. Cause even sometimes when you're eating Fruit Loops, it's like, oh, this tastes like a little lime. <laughs> oh, this tastes a little lime. You mean orangey. it's weird how your mind works when your mom tells you, oh, there's different colors though, honey. So think about it that way. God. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to move on to apples. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mom. (laughs) How 
How old do you estimate apples in a grocery store are? In a grocery store? Grocery store. How old? Oh, gosh. I mean, nice, red, juicy apples. Well, the apples I just got from the grocery store. Grocery. Juicy. Uh, They're probably like three years old. (laughs) They're not three years old. (laughs) (laughs) But they are six to 12 months old. Okay. They're usually picked between August and November. They're covered with wax, hot air dried, and put in cold storage and then pulled out. That's why they look so nice and shiny. So, is the wax okay to eat then? I guess. I mean, you've been eating these apples for years. Yeah, we eat a lot of apples. And your children have been eating them. So, Mm -hmm. okay, now I want you to do something. I want you to plug your nose and hum. (laughs) That's more like moaning. (laughs) It's impossible. I don't know. It's impossible to hold your nose and hum because actually pretty pretty good to me. (laughs) Actually, when you you hum, the sound comes through your nose as the air escapes. Mm -hmm. I can see that. (laughs) Can you? I witnessed that firsthand. Okay. Photography. So I know, I mean, your kids, especially like little Finn, he loves to say cheese, right? Gosh, yes. What do you think people said in the 1840s when photography first started? They didn't smile in those pictures. Correct. But they did say something. Sour milk. (laughs) (laughs) They said sour milk. They said prune. They did? They said prune? They said prunes to keep their mouth shut. Prunes. That's (laughs) awful. That is not attractive looking at all. Think about it. What does it look like if you say say, prunes? Right? I mean, now we got the fish face going on that people do. (laughs) We've reverted back to the prunes. No, but they don't look like they're saying prunes in any of their pictures. They look like prunes. They look like they've had way too many prunes. <laughs> Not enough prunes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. One zero one one eight is a zip code, but it's only for one building. What is that building? Empire State Building. Yep. Yes. Yes. Good job. I know my New York trivia. I got that. (laughs) Queen Elizabeth II. God rest her soul. She actually had a stunt double when the sun shone so that the queen did not have to get bothered with the sun shining in her eyes. I need one of those. (laughs) So this stunt double, who did it, by the way, for three decades, she was not allowed to sit on the throne. She had to squat over the throne. She was wearing thighs. I know. That's what I'm thinking. She had to have amazing 
thigh muscles. Great glutes. I mean, awesome. For three decades, she did this so that Queen Elizabeth did not have to be bothered by the sun. Is this just, are you asking a question or just sharing No, I'm saying, I'm just summarizing. Oh, like I should have done with the werewolf story. Another weird <laughs> thing about Queen Elizabeth II, mm-hmm. her cows slept on waterbeds. What? <laughs> what? Her cows slept on waterbeds. <laughs> Why? To relieve pressure points. What? <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. The cows, don't they sleep standing up? Like a lot of the time? I think that's horses. Maybe cows do too. Yeah, because if you see a cow lying down, isn't it supposed to be raining? It's <laughs> oh going to gosh. Rain? There was somebody that told you that. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's not the truth. <laughs> the, the cows are lying down. It's going to rain. Yeah. I've always heard. Yeah. From whom? And I know the answer to that. It was, it's not true. Fine. <laughs> Ask a farmer rancher and he will tell you it is not true. A farmer rancher. And you know that person too. Okay. You know, lots of people. You're so popular. <laughs> popular. Have you ever heard of a dunce cap? Yes. Okay. And the word dunce? Yes. Okay. All right. What do you think I'm dunce? <laughs> no, you are not a dunce. The original <laughs> dunce cap was developed by the 13th century philosopher John Duns Scottish, who pronounced that the pointed cap, so a dunce cap sits on your head and it's goes up like, like a, a cone head. hat yeah like a cone head right yeah. but he said that the wearer would get knowledge from the tip of the dunce down to his brain so it was almost oh, like a signal like a, like a funnel <laughs> well upside down funnel but yeah. it was like a signal oh, beep, 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 beep. oh knowledge and then it would like go down the dunce cap into his brain sounds like he was a dunce by the 1500s the dunce cap wearers became far and few and slowly became what it is today a dunce (laughs) that's actually really funny oh okay 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 the statue of liberty had its dedication in 1886 it stands tall and proud and is an iconic statue that we can easily identify but what did it start off as what do you mean? What did it start out of? Like, did it start out? I don't understand. What What was the reason for the Statue of Liberty to begin with? Just a statue or? I don't, I feel like I should know this. Tell me. A lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense because it's on a little island out there. It was a lighthouse and the flame that mm-hmm. she holds could actually be seen in could be seen within 24 miles. So a 24 mile radius. That makes sense. I thought that was pretty cool. It is pretty cool, mom. Thank you. This one, I I thought of when, I mean, I looked it up, but I thought of when we were on our, you know, cruise thing and we stopped in the island, there was an iguana there whose tail had been chopped off. And, but, you know, they could grow their tails back. And so he had this little stub <laughs> that was growing back. Well, then there's another animal 
the sea cucumber. Have you ever heard of that? I have, but I have no idea what they look like. Yeah, it. they just have like this long body like a cucumber and then they have these phalange things coming up. <laughs> cute. But anyway, oh, cute. it defends itself by shooting out its internal organs. Oh, what? <laughs> it shoots out its eternal or internal organs, which are poisonous. Like its lungs and its heart and like... And its intestines. And it's... Ooh, ooh! Can you imagine? You get strangled by intestines. You're like, ah! <laughs> well, I don't think the intestines come alive. <laughs> what if it's getting shot at you and they like come at they're, you and like they're poisonous? <laughs> but then all the things, all the organs grow back. How long does it like instantaneously they grow back? No, I'm not sure. Is he in some pain for a while while they grow back? I don't know that sea cucumbers feel anything. <laughs> that is crazy. Right? Nuts. Nuts. Okay. Your boys even know this. The countdown to a NASA rocket ship blast off, right? 10, mm-hmm. 9, 8, all the way down to 1, and then blast off. That wasn't initially used. It actually came... From a movie, the 1929 silent film Frau im Mond, translated as Woman on the Moon. And the countdown was used in that film for suspense, you know, for the countdown for their rocket. And Nassau thought that was kind of a good idea. And so they adopted it. But it was a silent film. So is it just words on the bottom that everybody... It was probably a countdown like you, you know... A light with numbers. Oh, so intense. (laughs) I never saw it. (laughs) I was going to say it was all in German, but it's silent, so. (laughs) (laughs) He stole it from Hollywood. Now that's, that's interesting. British tanks are equipped with what? I know this. It's something that American tanks are not. I know this. I know this. I know this. It's something to make tea right it has to do with tea yes like a kettle they have a boiling vessel i knew it yep so the crew can make tea i knew that whether they're resting or at war they can make tea all right the last letter added to the alphabet was what wasn't like added in order (laughs) Okay, well, if it's not Z, then what is it like? J. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No, it's not. It's the last really letter was... added to the alphabet was J. No, it wasn't really. <laughs> I'm so smart. That's crazy cool. <laughs> oh, I am just. I need to drink wine more often. <laughs> okay, talking about letters. What mm-hmm. is one the one letter that is not in any of the state's names? Can I can I have some time to think about this one? <laughs> you want to take a sip of that wine? Yeah. <laughs> it's making you so smart. <laughs> can she go three for three? <laughs> mm. Q. Yes. 
You're rocking it. You're rocking it. Okay. So what do I win? <laughs> I'm off of the show. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Sad. Now this one, you don't have to guess anything. Do you believe oh. in good luck charms? Do you believe in magic? Yes, I do believe in good luck charms. Okay. That's probably good. Because those of those people who don't, they might after this. President- I'm married to a baseball player. We believe in. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> president McKinley, who was our 25th president, would wear a red carnation for good luck. There were times that he gave the carnation to somebody as a souvenir. And this happened in 1901 when he gave a little 12-year-old girl that was in the crowd his carnation. Only minutes later, after he handed the carnation off, he was shot and killed. And he never handed it off? No, he had before, so. Oh, oh, well, come on. Don't ruin this. Don't ruin this for me. And he'd never done it before. And the first time he did. The first time he did it, he got shot. Okay, now these next two are from uh, 20 rare and bizarre things that actually exist on our earth. Okay, and you know I love these things. All right. I mean, the sea cucumber wasn't cool enough for you. I mean, no, that was you could so cool. Shoot out your internal organs. Where does it come out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm gonna over- have to research this because, right? Not- does it like split open and go, or does it come out its head, or does it come out? Well, no, it's I mean, you're stuck. overthinking this. Does it come it's out of his stuck. mouth? Does it come out of his It doesn't bottom? have a mouth per se. Is it like a worm? No, it's, it, it's like on coral. It's 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 like one, a plant in the ocean. Oh, did I tell you about the eel I saw on the beach? <laughs> no, mom. Tell me more. Oh, I was in Mexico. Ew. And- I just and like I was walking, really processed what you said. Ugh, no, you didn't. And I was walking on the beach, you know, which I love to do. With your broken foot. Not with my broken foot. And I I look down and I see the snake. Uh, okay. Now, I love the beach. One of the reasons is because there are no snakes. So I look down and there's this slithering thing in the water. Uh, and it's all different colors and stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool. What the? Mm. And I just am standing there far from it watching it and i'm like that is an eel it was an eel that had somehow got washed onto the shore and was trying to make its way back into the water that's kind of sad did you help it or did you just sit there and watch it die no i went (laughs) and i walked away (laughs) but this man was going towards it i think he was going to grab it and throw it sure sure mom i i was telling yourself that I was going to go swimming in the ocean because I love to swim in the ocean. After that, I, no. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> we went, when we went to Florida, the water is obviously, as you know, like clear. Like you can really see through it, in it, you know. And uh, I don't know if that was better or worse for my Aiden boy. Because we usually go to Hilton Head where you can't really see in the water. He loves it and he loves to be in the water. And here he did like to be in the water. Yes. The moment you'd see the school of fish that the golf would come, <laughs> we were on the golf side. Yeah. Yeah. The moment you see the school of fish, he would just stand there. And he's like, I- I'm, I'm going to get out now. And at first, Alex was like, No, you're fine. You can stay. And I was like, If he wants to get out, he can get out because I'm getting out too. 
because I'm just like Aiden because the moment I'd see them I'd be like and then some guy the guy that would give us our towels I was like so many sharks today like I'd always ask him he's like if he's like no no sharks he's like but if you ever see the the pelicans if they're parked not parked but they're the pelicans are parked he's like if the pellet if the wine is really it's a it's it's a good wine you know dark red blend it's it's pretty tasty um if the pelicans are out there sitting in the water look for dolphins because you're going to have a really good chance that they're going to be there and sure enough we were out there swimming and the pelicans were parked and the dolphins jumped literally like inside the buoys they were in they were really close to us really close to us so much so that i actually pulled the boys towards me and kind of backed up a bit because i mean they're wild dolphins i don't i mean it's really cool but it's also a wild animal in their place i just you know they won't hurt you but yeah it was really neat that was that would have been cool. that was really cool yeah but no sharks okay anyway bizarre stories enough about me okay but it is my podcast so what else would you like to know i'm just kidding <clears throat> have you heard of the corpse flower uh yeah isn't it i'm pretty like sure you have. i have but remind me doesn't it like only live for like a little bit like 24 hours or something like that well the actual plant lives from 30 to 40 years um but it grows to like 10 feet tall and it's very strange it's got these big like leaves and then this giant piston of sorts coming out of it it is one of the rarest flowers on the planet the name comes from the smell that the plant let's that the plant has it smells like rotting meat or a decaying corpse i mean can Mm. you even imagine that it takes seven to ten years for the plant to blossom and after that another seven to ten years for another blossom to bloom but how long does the blossom last 24 to 36 hours so didn't they have one of those in chicago when we were there they might have I remember going to the botanical garden and there were signs everywhere saying the flower will bloom in the next 24 hours and will only be here for the next two days or something like that. Now that could have been also the orchid. There's an orchid that blooms like, like this also. It's the orchid that was in Dennis the Menace. Okay. That sounds more. Walter Matthau. I don't know that a botanical garden would want a corpse smelling oh i'm sure they would it's so rare but i was like oh why does it why does it smell like that obviously to attract insects but you know why does it eat them i mean is this an insect fascinating plant or anything but no the smell and the dark color of the plant attract the insects which fly inside of the flower when nothing is found no rotting meat is found so it's like flies any kind of insect that eats dead meat or, oh you know, my God, it's so gross. It attracts those insects, but it carries the pollen on their legs when they fly out and then helps to pollinate the plant. There's only a thousand of these in the entire world. Gross. So they're considered to be endangered. Now, this is crazy. The plant is able to warm itself up to 90 eight degrees so that it's even more like a body body. oh 
But you can imagine 98 degrees would emanate even more of the smell of rotting flesh. You know, I just thought that was so cool. It's disgusting. (laughs) All right. About 250 miles south of Lima are a collection of giant geoglyphs. They're known as the Nazca lines and are in the shapes of plants, animals, and shapes like triangles and rectangles. You know what those are, right? The large things that are in the ground that you can see when you fly over them. Yes. Okay. Supposedly, these were made by the Nescaus 2,000 years ago. Of course, you can only see these if you're flying in the air. In 2016... So so that just blows your mind, though. Like, Like, So how did they know that back then? I know. But listen, in 2016, Peruvian archaeologists found a geoglyph. So they, they're still finding these. Weird. Uh, that is 98 feet long and looks like an insect. I, I thought it looked a lot like an ant with lots of legs and its tongue sticking out. Huh? I mean, where is this concept coming from? Aliens. I, you know, makes you wonder. It just makes you wonder all these weird shapes. How did they make them that big? How did they make them? And that why? They still, that they still and exist today, 2,000 years. And why? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Why and how? Why and how? And where did Bryce Las Pisa go? <laughs> so many questions. So many questions. Yes. So anyway, that is my part of the episode. I just wanted to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. You did good. He answered some of those. I did. The last three questions I got all right. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Okay, mom. Well, should I do a drum drum roll for your announcement? Sweet girl. Yeah, do drum roll. Oh, really? (laughs) there you go okay as beth said this is the end of season one of killer hangover as soon as she gets all her kiddos ducks in a row or her kiddos in school we will not even that just life in in line (laughs) well girl you're just you're just too busy so (laughs) After the busyness stops a little bit, then we'll go into season two. But until then, well, let me throw some things out to you. Have you ever heard of the rare mental disorder called walking corpse syndrome? This is where the person affected believes they don't exist or they're dead or are decomposing or have lost all their blood and or their internal organs. They truly believe this they are so disillusioned that they believe i'm so confused i thought we were done with the episode we're going on this is we're going on we're going on pour more wine and i'm gonna bitch i'm gonna butcher (laughs) yeah you let it out man you let it out girl (laughs) i'm gonna butcher this you tell it how it is yeah Arokig Gahara. Arokig Gahara. That's Japan. That's the suicide forest that's in Japan. 
we're getting serious. Okay. A lovely place to hike, but also a draw for people contemplating suicide. Why? What secrets does this forest hold? Exorcism has been a bit Hollywooded up, but what really happens during an actual exorcism? I mean, you talked about it today uh, Mm -hmm. during the episode, but what actually happens and how is being possessed by a demon different from a mental condition? How do you tell the two apart? Hmm. There are so many curiosities and questions out there that I would like to find out and well, find the answers to. And that's the inspiration for my podcast, Curiosities, Questions, and Quests, where I'll interview people and do the research to get those answers for you. And I'm shooting for spring of 2024 for the first release of this podcast. Yes, she is. I'm so proud of her. Uh, With a lot of help from Beth. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to be there every step of the way to help you. Oh, and by the way, every other month, we'll do a Killer Hangover episode. Yeah, I'll come on when I can to help her out, but I'm really excited for her. She's going to have a lot of fun, and she's going to be really good with her little bizarreties. Yeah, these curiosities. I mean, I got you going with the corpse flower and the, you know, and the mental disorder, the, you know, I mean, it's, these are just a few things, and I just want... Mm -hmm. I just want to research all this stuff and really look into it. No, I think it's great. I'm the really sea cucumber. How does it explode? Okay, it's now that's organs. cool. You could do a whole 50 minute episode on that one. Well, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> With me babbling on, maybe you can have me on for that kind of an episode. I would have a lot of questions. <laughs> so anyway, I've always been intrigued by these things. And fascinated by them. And of course, have always had the inquisitive mind to, you know, try to dig deeper. And so that's what I'm going to do. Now I will cover some true crime, but the bizarre true crime. So I have some in mind already. Um, so I'm not leaving true crime totally out of it, but it will not center on true crime. And I'll drink on a few episodes, but not all of them. <laughs> and Killer Hangover will be back. We will keep you all posted. Look out for us. I'd love to give you guys a date, but it is. But I'll what keep her. Is, I'll keep her is. in the loop by having her on every other month, and yeah, so we'll, follow we'll do a killer hangover episode. Yeah. Yes. Well, happy holidays again, everybody. Happy holidays. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us and for giving us the love. I felt your prayers when I was going through my cancer. You guys were were there with me and. I really appreciated that. So you guys have been with us through two babies. Two babies. <laughs> two yes. babies. My cancer. I mean, it's been a ride, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what all happens in almost four years? Crazy. But anyway. All right. We will be up. I mean, Killer Hangover is uh, will be up always. So you can still the message website's us. running, the emails running, everything's running. You so can still message us. So if you have any ideas of things for me to cover, please send them. And spring 2024, curiosities, questions, and quests. Boom. <laughs> so my dear, 
for resources for this episode, you can find them on our website. Like mom said, that will still be running killerhangoverpodcast.com. Everything is still going to be there. You can still email us from there. Social media will still be there. You can still contact us from there. We'll still be there. <laughs> um, whew, this might be hard to say. This is another good one, mom. Yes, it was my love. Cheers, mama. Cheers. I love you, kid. <laughs>